in the world around us, there are plenty of people who are trying to get our attention, plenty of people who are trying to tell us what is right from wrong, what we should do and what we shouldn't do, what will make us happy and what, what we don't want to uh, uh, have happen in our lives. There's so many voices all around us all of the time. How do we make sure we are clearly hearing God's voice? Cassidon knew that that was the most important issue that would prevent him or help him to get safely to the end of his destination. And it's true for us as well. So we're going to spend a bit of time thinking about that today. And we're going to turn to one of my favourite parts of the Bible that tells us how we can hear God's voice clearly. And it's Psalm 119. Now, just a few quick stats about Psalm 119. Uh, It's the longest chapter of the Bible. In fact, it's about the same length as several of the shorter books of the Bible. It's quite a long chapter. And it's made up of 172 verses, all right? Remember that, those of you who are good at maths, 172 verses. And it's broken into 22 sections, each section beginning with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's this giant acrostic poem. Has anyone had to do an acrostic poem in school? Some of the older primary schoolers might have had to do that. Uh, So each letter begins uh, a new section. So if there are 22 sections and there are 172 verses, how many verses in each section? Who said, was that you, Luca? It was Bevan. It was Bevan knew. It's eight verses per, that's quick maths, or somebody who already knew. So um, so, uh, there are eight verses in each section, and we are going to look today at just the first two sections, which will be 16 verses, okay? So we're going to read them together. And before we read them, I've highlighted some of the verses because, as I said, this psalm is all about how we hear God's voice, and I've highlighted some things that occur very, very frequently through the psalm. So let's read the first 16 verses together. How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong, they walk in his ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Never abandon me. That's the first out of the 22 sections. This is the second one. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all, your, with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So that's how the psalm begins. And did you notice the highlighted bits? Do you know what they are all about? They're just different words that describe the ways that God has spoken, that God has given instruction, that he's revealed his ways to us. And every verse of these opening 16 verses refers to the way God has spoken to us. That's what the psalm is all about. It's what it wants to celebrate. Um, Has anyone ever had to write an essay or a poem and you've had a word and you think, I don't want to keep saying the same word over and over and over and over again. And so you try and look for synonyms. Has anyone else ever done that? Or you, or 
you get something from somebody else and you think, how can I rephrase this so that it sounds more like what I would say and less like what they would say? Well, it's a little bit like that going on in the beginning of the psalm. Those words are very, very similar in their meaning. And so uh, as an artist, the poet is just finding different words to say very much the same kinds of things. But there are also some really interesting differences in those words. Now, we're not going to unpack that a lot today, um, but it's a great little um, Bible study if you want to go through and learn more about the, the specific words that are used. But right back in the very beginning, I'll just give you a couple, uh, where it says the Lord's instruction. The, word, the Hebrew word there is Torah, which is the word they used for the first five books of the Bible. Uh, we sometimes call it the Pentateuch. Um, and in those words, we hear God's instructions for how humanity got started, how the nation of Israel got started, and all of the laws and the ways that God wanted them to follow as they lived for him as a nation. Uh, so that, that first word is talking about all of the ways that God has instructed people in how to live. The second one, decrees, um, you might think of a royal courtroom and somebody's making a decree and it's a very authoritative rule. But the interesting thing about that word is that it's actually a, a word similar to our word testimony or witness. And so a decree is actually our sovereign king telling us not just what we should do, it is doing that, but it's also telling us what he is like what he loves, the things that are important to him. It's how we get to know him better, is we tune in to his decrees. So they're just a couple of the words that are used of the ways that God speaks. And I find them very, very interesting. So you might like to look into those a little bit more later. But one of the things that you might want to keep in the back of your mind is that God speaks in a lot of different ways. Um, you've seen the number of different words that are used there in just the opening two sections of Psalm 119. God speaks in lots and lots of different ways, and each of those ways has slightly different purposes. Now I'm going to pause there for a second and ask you this question. What makes you happy? What makes you really, really happy? You know, sometimes I can tell the things that make me happy by tuning into the things that make me really unhappy. Have you ever noticed that? So, for example, um, I, I was always really pleased when I was at school or at uni um, when I got good grades. Does anyone else like getting good grades when they've worked hard on something? It's like, yes! You know what made me really unhappy? Yeah, obviously, bad grades, right? I remember getting to the end of my TEE exams, what we'd now call ATAR, and it worked a little bit differently back then, um, but I got to my last exam, which was the hardest maths exam that, uh, that was... Um, on offer that year. It was called Maths 2 in those days. And um, I sat this exam and I was fairly confident going into it because I'd worked pretty hard on this subject. But I blew it. And I walked out of that exam just feeling absolutely shattered because I knew there was no saving this thing. It was a mess. I had really messed up and I felt miserable for ages. You know what makes it worse? It was on my birthday. Can you believe it? <laughs> so, so that just made me feel terrible. So some of the things that have the power to make us happy also have the power to make us feel really unhappy if they don't work out so well, right? Um, another thing that has had the power to make me either happy or unhappy in my life has been sport. I've, I've had some great moments of happiness where I've had good games and enjoyed just playing with mates and it's been great. But I've also had those sporting experiences where you just go away feeling really, really unhappy. 
Have you ever had some of those? And maybe you blame others for it, like your teammates or the umpires or whatever else. Um, but you just go away feeling really, really unhappy. I think there were some people uh, after a one-point loss in a preliminary final in the AFL the other day from Greater Western Sydney who were feeling really, really unhappy. Um, and sport has the power to do that. I was uh, playing in the A-grade volleyball grand final one year um, and I fancied myself as one of the more important people on the team. Yes, I had a bit of an ego. Um, and I'd been planning, because we were up against our arch rivals in the grand final, I'd been planning all week, you know, the moves and what I was going to do and I was pretty excited to execute it and make it all happen. And a little bit like a maths 2 exam on my birthday, I got to the game, important game, and it just tanked. Nothing went right. Even the simplest things weren't working for me. And instead of feeling like the hero that I had daydreamed about being, I actually felt really embarrassed and ashamed of how bad I played. I felt really, really unhappy. The things that have the power to make us happy sometimes also have the power to make us really, really unhappy. Keep that in mind when you tune into what the psalmist tells us makes him feel both happy and unhappy. I've highlighted some of the verses and again, as I always say, um, look for them in your own Bibles because then you can highlight them and make notes on them. But verse 1 says this, how happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. It's so weird, isn't it? Because sometimes we just think ourselves and the world tells us that when you have to live by other people's rules, it kind of sucks. It's like, oh man, do I have to do what they say? But according to people who have actually done it, and the psalmist is one example, when you walk according to God's ways, it actually makes you feel what? Happy. Really does. Happy are those who keep his decrees and who seek him with all their heart. And this is the result of that happiness in verse 7. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous judgments. The psalmist is saying in this first stanza, not only does it make me feel happy when I live according to God's ways, when I learn more and more of God's ways, I just want to praise him because they're so fantastic what they reveal about God and how they teach me to live. The second stanza continues in that same vein. I'll rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees, as much as in all riches. I'll delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Knowing the Bible, knowing God's word, has the power to make us actually feel really, really happy. But look at what makes him unhappy. Going into verse 5, If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. So as much as the psalmist is saying, you know what, I love your ways and I want to pursue them with my whole heart and I want to learn more about them, he also admits, you know what, that's not me all the time. There are times when I am not committed to keeping your statutes. And when I think about what I do in those moments, I actually feel pretty ashamed. It's a little bit like me feeling ashamed of maybe a maths exam result and I don't want to tell anyone or maybe a, a bad game. No, I wish no one was here watching this. It's that sense of, oh man, I just, I feel bad when I think about it. I feel bad when I think of other people knowing about it. It's not pretty. Verse 10, I've sought you with all my heart. He says, don't let me wander from your commands. He recognises that he does that and he hates it when he does it. And so he says to God, oh, I just, I want you to help me to not be ashamed of the way I live. I want you to help me to stay close to your commands. When I think about how good God's instructions to us are, when I think about all the things that I've learnt and am learning about God, 
uh, how he wants me to live, how he's called us as a family to live. When I think about how Jesus has lived, when I think about how good God is as it's revealed in his word, I find great joy in that. It makes me feel happy that we have such a good God. And sometimes when I think about myself, a little bit like uh, Bevan mentioned, the prophet Isaiah felt the same way. I go, oh, man, I, I feel ashamed of some stuff when I realise how I live and the things that I do in my life. I realised that I've wandered from God's commands. And I don't like how that made me feel when I realised it. I don't like the thought of how it made God feel. And I don't like the way that it affected people around me. And as I look back in my life and I, I remember that feeling of, oh man, I just don't want any of my classmates to see my exam score. And oh, I wish no one had seen me play that game. And I just felt really ashamed of how that had turned out. Um, actually, that doesn't really bug me that much anymore. What bugs me are those moments when I look back and go, oh, I really did that. I really treated that person that way. I really lived that way. I really spoke that way. They're the things that I carry most deeply with me. And on the contrary, the things that I'm most happy about weren't the grades. And it wasn't winning the championship. Um, eventually got a, an A-grade volleyball, just a saying. Um, you know, in basketball and all those things. But those don't actually carry a huge amount of happiness for me. But where I've seen God do his good thing in my life and in the lives of others, when I've tasted how good it is to live by God's ways, and I look back on those things, boy, that really makes me feel happy. And that's what the psalmist is saying. How can we do better at living by God's ways, like the psalmist so desperately wants to do, but without becoming proud? Because to be proud is not to live in God's ways at all. As bad as it feels when we mess up, one good thing about messing up is that it reminds us that we can't do it on our own. It reminds us that we need God's help. And there are three ways the psalmist asks God for help in these verses. Verse 8, I'll keep your statutes, never abandon me. He's recognised that he messes up all the time and he says to God, please don't give up on me, don't abandon me, don't leave me stuck here. I need your help. Verse 10, I've sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. We read that one already. I, I do want to serve you. Will you help me to stay in that mindset? Would you help me to not wander away from your commands? And verse 12, Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes. So we're going to finish our time together today by seeing how God has answered this prayer from the author of Psalm 119. And he didn't answer it fully straight away. He answered it centuries later. How does God prove that he will never abandon us? How is God going to change us from the inside so that we stop wandering away from his good commands? How is he going to teach us all his ways so that we can see what he wants us to do in each situation and actually doing it? Well, there's a verse... Well, there's many verses in the New Testament that talk about it, but one of my favourites is this from Hebrews chapter 1, where it says this, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. Do you remember all those different words that we saw in Psalm 119? That's not even a complete list. There's lots more ways that God has spoken. And this verse reminds us of that. God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. Another translation, the one I learned, at in many times and in various ways. And it goes on to say, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. 
Now, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, Jesus shows us how perfectly good God is and how amazing it is when we live by God's good ways, just like Jesus did. And I love the way it describes it there in verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Um, have you ever seen the sun? Hopefully not stared into it directly, but you know what the sun is and you know it's up there in the sky. How do you know it's there? Have you ever thought about that? Well, it's because radiance comes from the sun and it hits your eyeball those rays of light, that heat that you feel. And that's describing what Jesus is like for us. He's come from God, communicating exactly what God is like, bringing us into the glory of knowing and feeling God's presence in our lives. That's what he does for us. Jesus' death and resurrection has, as it says there, after making purification for sins, his death and resurrection has brought us into God's family. There's nothing that separates us from God anymore. God will never abandon us. We are accepted not because of what we've done to earn it, because of what Jesus has done to give it. And so that sense of, like me, oh, I wish people hadn't seen that. Oh, I wish I had that. I wish they had seen that. That sense of it's about me and what I do or don't do, well, that's not the case for us with God anymore. It's all about what God has done for us and whether we will receive it or not. Jesus protects us from pride because the only way we could possibly live like him instead of wandering away from God is to accept the Holy Spirit who lives in all God's children and teaches us God's ways. That's the only way we can experience the answer to the request from Psalm 119. It's only with the Holy Spirit that we have God's help to live like Jesus. It's also um, got kind of a double whammy to it, and I love the genius of God. Whenever I learn more of his ways, I go, man, God, you know exactly what you're doing. See, even with the help of the Holy Spirit, there would be a real tendency, a danger in me to feel like I'm doing it, like I'm being a good person and I measure up, and I'll either feel very happy about that or very ashamed, very proudful or very fearful and ashamed. But God reminds me that it's never about how well I do because not only does he say to me very clearly, look, you can't do it on your own. You need my help. You need Jesus to bring you into my family. You need me to give you the Holy Spirit. But even the way he sends the Holy Spirit to us, the Holy Spirit works in different ways in different people. So I can't do it on my own. You need the way the Holy Spirit works through me to help you live according to God's ways. And I need the way the Holy Spirit works through you to help me live according to God's ways. There's this beautiful interdependence that God has built into it to make sure I never get stuck in sneaky pride and find myself wandering away from God's ways. Do you remember the hope knots in the book? Sneaky fellas, and they imitated God's voice. Sometimes... People imitate God's voice to keep us stuck in shame. They want to tell us how bad we are and how we never measure up to God's ways. And that just keeps us trapped in God's ways and we can never get to the future he has for us. Don't let that sneaky voice speak to you. Remember to listen to the voice that speaks of Jesus and how he's brought you into God's family and how you're perfect in his sight and how you have everything you need to live the life that God's called you to do. But watch out for that other sneaky voice, the sneaky voice of pride that says, you're doing a pretty good job, much better than those people out there are doing. I mean, you know the Bible and you do what's right. Don't listen to that voice either because that will trap you just as dangerously. 
Remember to be humble and to depend on what God has done for you. To depend on the Holy Spirit helping you to understand the Bible and to put it into practice. Be prayerful. Remember how the Holy Spirit works through different people in different ways. So build those connections with people that allow others to speak into your life. And if we do those things, we'll experience the joy of what Psalm 119 is all about. God's ways are so awesome. The more we get to know them, the more that we live by them, the happier we are. We don't have to get stuck in shame because Jesus has dealt with it. We can't uh, fall into the trap of pride because Jesus shows us clearly it's all about his glory and it's not what we could bring to the table.